Welcome to Thriving Educators. I am Brian Langley. In today's episode, I speak with Andrew Combe, an assistant principal at Novi High School with over 20 years of education experience. Over the past few years, Andrew has had the special assignment of working to establish understanding by design practices throughout Novi's 5 through 12 classrooms. And understanding by design, or by the acronym UBD, is exactly what we're going to be talking about in this conversation. So enjoy. Andy Combe, thanks for being on the podcast. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So you have been a district driver of UBD, which is understanding by design. Um, Help me understand what UBD is. All right. Uh, So UBD is uh, a trademarked term, understanding by design, uh, but it's based on a concept called backward design. And a lot of students uh, who become teachers have heard about this, but often it's given sort of lip service. Um, I think many people's belief is it means make the test first and then teach what's on the test. Mm -hmm. Uh, But really what it is Uh, UBD, Understanding by Design, is about us shifting our approach from what is largely American education uh, that falls into two categories. Uh, One is an activity orientation, which we Mm -hmm. see a lot at the elementary level. So we do a neat activity, but did we learn anything from it? Uh, And then at the secondary level, there's a far higher rate of coverage. So we are covering information. But what enduring understandings or applicable or transferable skills are coming from it. So UBD is about identifying the understandings and transfer first and making sure that everything you teach is leading toward those outcomes and actually being able to measure for that. Um, I can say, you know, as a history teacher myself, I used to teach facts but if you, you know, if you talked to me at a party somewhere and said, what do you do? I'd be like, well, yeah, I help kids be savvy members of society, and but I never directly taught or measured any of that. I just kind of hoped they'd get it. Okay. And UBD is about actually planning that in. All right. So it sounds like the district is really committed to providing significant professional development time towards UBD in the coming years. It, this is accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am curious why the district feels like this is such an important thing to be focusing on at this time. Sure. Um, So the district years ago started an Atlas initiative, and the idea was to make sure that we had an aligned and transparent curriculum. Um, But we didn't spend as much time ensuring that uh, staff had kind of best practices in how to design a unit or does the district have a, an agreed upon approach to how we should do that? So as a result, if you look in Atlas, um, you'll see some incredible work, but you'll also see some work that kind of looks a little bit like sort of some copied and pasted standards and they might not go with exactly what's being taught. And uh, so the idea of, of a guaranteed and viable curriculum is, is what we want to make sure to focus on. Um, everything a teacher does has generally a positive impact on learning. But research has told us that the single most powerful school-controlled factor in learning is having a guaranteed and viable curriculum. 
So by guaranteed, we mean if my kid goes to Novi High School and takes U.S. history, they're going to get the same curriculum, maybe not delivered the exact same way, but the same fundamental standards, no matter what teacher they have, no matter what year they take it, um, that should be critical. So the idea here is how do we take staff, harness all their expertise, and help shape curriculum um, in a way that is beneficial to them, beneficial to new teachers coming in, and, and really helps get everybody more collaborative, and then the outcomes are positive for, for kids. Um, I think part of, also for me, part of what I thought was valuable about it, and uh, when we did this at our middle school, a lot of the feedback that was positive about it is, it really, once you get into it, isn't, you know, quote, another thing. Teachers make units anyway. You're already making them. And most good teachers I know don't make a unit and then let it gather dust. They're tweaking it and changing it. So why not have us have a common approach to doing that that guarantees the best product we can and uses PD time to do something you have to do anyway rather than some additional extra thing. So that's, uh, I think, a two-part answer, I guess, for you. Okay, Andy, so I've spent a considerable portion of the past decade building the physics curriculum around the newer Michigan science standards. I know other science classes have invested similar effort, and I imagine classes beyond the high school science department have as well. How is this UBD emphasis going to affect these classes? Can I assume that we will not be starting from scratch? Please, please, please. <laughs> yes, of course, you will not be starting from scratch. Um, I think, you know, what it does to kind of use the UBD template, there's a, a template that we use. Um, in many cases, districts that decide to, you know, do UBD, they grab the template and people fill out the template. But when you actually look at it, you'll notice that while it's filled in, it's not filled in accurately. It didn't lead to understanding or transfer. If you've been building good curriculum, that goes beyond what we call just acquisition, right? It's not just knowledge or skill that you can repeat in a vacuum, but has no further big understandings. If you've been building curriculum like that already, great. Now it's just a matter of kind of identifying it, reviewing it and reflecting on it, and fitting it into where it might fall in a template. So it's really not a dramatic change. So for example, um, when you look at what many of the IB teachers do, their template for IB is very much like this. So we can, whether it's use that template or you know, kind of make a crosswalk into, into our uh, UBD template, it would work fine. Um, generally, the biggest lifting that happens with switching to UBD is as people start to identify, well, these are the big understandings I want, it's almost like an audit of your own work to see mm -hmm. when I really dig into it, Am I getting that? How do I know I'm getting that? And so in many cases, it's a tweak. It's uh, you know taking the next step toward a better measurement of what you're getting as opposed to kind of, well, we talk about it. I just don't know for sure that they get it. So generally, you're using tons of what you have. We're not changing the standards, uh, you know, anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but it does give you permission to, to maybe cut some things that are not as big or, or uh, you know, understandings-based as you'd want. Okay. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I've had everything from people who've just kind of used it to reflect and tweak on what they do uh, to people who've 
decided, you know, you know, I want to completely revamp what it is I'm trying to do. Got it. So I, I just realized that I'm going to be doing this for my IB class too. <laughs> okay. But again, with IB, the work's pretty minimal. Um, you know, we, we honestly, even the template looks like the same thing. So you'll probably be able to just transfer it over. Okay. And then like in the future, once, mm-hmm. once we've done the work of putting it in place, mm-hmm. what do you see as like the annual or mm-hmm. every couple of year, like revisiting? What is that going to look like? So um, first, I think we, this is something we'll have to plan with staff and we have to talk about what's functional and, and viable. But in my mind, because it's so important, it's something we should be making sure PD time and, and time is, is devoted to. So the hope would be that we use Atlas, which is our kind of curriculum mm-hmm. warehouse. Um, teachers have expressed understandable frustration with it because in general it is not accessible but for a small time every right. year. Yes, right. And for you know anyone who, who isn't a teacher, you might not realize that you know teachers are daily, sometimes even hourly, Sweet. shifting yep. and adding better options, new content. Um, and so the idea of having it sit there when inspiration strikes, you can't change it, um, is problematic. So the good news is, in talking to Oakland schools, they've talked about the ability to open Atlas all the time for certain users mm-hmm. so that you know you can, in your department, say, all right, you know, this year we're going to really focus on uh, reflecting on physics. We don't think we've got a whole lot more to do, but let's, uh, let's knock out that whole course this year because mm-hmm. there's not much to do. And then maybe you update it. And then maybe the next year you say, all right, we're happy with physics for this year. Uh, we got a problematic chemistry unit we want to dig into. Mm-hmm. So let's let's work on that. So um, what has been successful in the past has been kind of asking each department uh, or even PLC, this is flexible, to kind of put together their own plan of action every year. Well, what do you think you guys need this year? Um, I made the mistake my, my first time through with uh, the middle school Year one, we taught them and they built one unit. And then year two, I said, okay, now you can do the rest of your units. Well, that was way too ambitious. And uh, as a science teacher who dealt with the next gen standards, it's different for every department. Mm -hmm. So we ended up with science needed a whole year just to work on standards before they could build a unit. Okay. Um, Then we had other, you know, folks who were like, well, I really want to dig into this unit, but it's complex. Some of us have these like nine week long units. Some mm-hmm. have three week long units. Right. So what I think works best is the staff who are the experts say, here's what I think I need to do. And then work on that and then kind of report their progress. And then the administration's job is to support them however they can. And then, you know, in rare cases, just make sure to help hold people accountable to, Hey, come on, are we, are we making the progress we need? And if we aren't, what do you need? Is it a is it a lack of resources? Is it you know how can we help? Okay, so I, when I listen to you talk about UBD, the one word that you, keeps coming up is this idea of transfer, mm-hmm. and I think I kind of know what it means, but I was like you to maybe go into a little bit more sure. explanation about that. Sure, sure. Um, so transfer and understanding kind of go hand in hand. Um, The idea of transfer is that a student learns something and they understand it at a level that they can now apply it in a new context, independently, without a lot of guidance or supervision, right? It's the kind of thing that almost every teacher I've ever met 
has in their vision board for what a kid can do, right? We want them to go forward and do these things. I found, and this is how I came to UBD, was I was doing a lot of teaching where I would talk about stuff, give a lecture, they'd read some things, then I'd test them on whether they remembered that, uh, and then that was it. And so I thought to myself, how am I making these kids, you know, citizens that understand why gerrymandering is important and why they should become active about it? You know, I, they don't know that. They can define gerrymandering, uh, but they don't, I don't have any evidence that they can do anything more with it. So I started to try to find ways to do that. That led me to, to UBD. So the idea here would be, how do I look at the standards that I have and identify, okay, if I want them to know that, why? So what? You're basically asking that question over and over. So what? So why? Um, so when you think about you know science, all right, so I could teach you everything you need to know about plate tectonics uh, and you can spit that back out on a test. But really what I want is that you approach your whole life using the scientific method, uh, empirical approaches. Do you gather data and, and can you identify when that data is or isn't accurate? Are you, okay, then how am I doing that in my assessments? How am I doing that directly with my teaching? Um, so transfer is this ability to take something and use it either outside of the context that it belongs in, or that you taught it in rather, um, or transfer can also relate to transferring within the subject matter. Mm -hmm. um, one of the biggest challenges there, for example, is math. Okay. So a lot of us, uh, sorry math teachers, um, a lot of us uh, you know, don't really use math beyond the eighth grade level in our day-to-day -day lives, right? Um, even folks that go become engineers oftentimes have you know, software that does that work for them. What's critical that an engineer needs is, do they know when to use that math and why and whether it will solve a problem or not? And in talking to math teachers, oftentimes we find that at the calc level, you know, pre-calc level, the, the real world applications of that math are so far above high school level. The, you know, you'd need to be an ASA engineer. Mm -hmm. To try to teach them that is a little bit too much. Um, so for them, transfer can sometimes be does a kid know how to learn and understand something that I've taught and then apply that learning or understanding to the next level, whatever that next level is, right? The next most co more complicated thing. Mm -hmm. And if they can do that without your prompting, without you walking them through it, that's great. Right. So I think that I've heard about that as like near transfer and far transfer. Ah. So, and then I think also when I think about my grading scale, like when we think about a level four in our class, mm -hmm. It's a student who has demonstrated that they, they know that they understand the material well enough that if given a problem similar to what we've done in class, they can do that reliably. Yes. And even if I give them something that maybe has a little twist, they can transfer what they've learned to that twist. Yes. And that kind of separates the threes from the fours. Yep. But that would still be rather like near transfer, mm -hmm. stuff within our context. So we can even think about some, you know, far far <laughs> transfer too. And it's not like it's a, a, a black, white, or yes, no, near, far. I'm sure there's a whole a gray line. area there. Yeah. yeah. Of how far that transfer is going to yeah. be. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where, um, you know, assessment practices can be, can be brought into this. Um, you know, one of the things I started to do was, you know, if I was teaching in social studies about how to identify bias, 
All right, so I, let's say I do that in, in unit one, right? And then unit two, uh, we're talking about the Civil War. All right, and then I just never talk about bias again because they already learned that in mm -hmm, unit one. Right. Well, can I now say, all right, so now here's the new content on this assessment that's related to the Civil War, but you also have to apply bias. All right, then in unit three, you're going to apply bias, what you've learned about bias, you're going to transfer that along with maybe what you've learned about sectionalism or states' rights from the Civil War unit. Like how do we, and it's kind of pie in the sky and takes a lot of, of, of work to do, but the idea of saying, if I want you to transfer this, if this is an important understanding that frames uh, the discipline, how am I asking you to learn it, demonstrate it, and continue demonstrating it? Uh -huh, right. And I think that is... Uh, you know, no fault of teachers. We are in a factory model still. We're just trying to bend it a little bit uh, because what we actually find is that what you learn, what we know about how people learn does not fit easily with 30 kids in a room, one adult. Um, in secondary, you guys see 150 kids a day. Uh, the level of feedback that would be ideal for kids is barely manageable for you because you've got 150 papers a grade. So, so my question though is, and one of my favorite quotes, uh, I heard it from Rick Wormley, is just because you can't fathom the logistics doesn't mean you should give up on the principle. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when we think about those principles, okay, I can't just wholesale fix this, but how can I tweak this assignment a little to add this in? Mm -hmm. Or how can we, maybe I can't put it in an assessment, but can I have them work on it in class and recognize that they're working on it in class? Um, and so I think those things have a lot more real value. Uh, at the end of the day, when you have a, a really well-designed, backward-designed unit, you can give the kids the unit, you know, top to bottom, and it's fascinating the change in, in what they do. So instead of saying, I'm doing my vocab for blah, blah, blah. Kids will actively say, well, I'm learning this vocab so that I can understand this, which means I can now do that. Mm -hmm. And they see, right? What's the question you get all the time from kids? Why are we learning this? This helps answer that, you know? I rambled a bit there, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I, I, really, I caught on to the, the little phrase you said there about continuing to show they understand or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, I feel like that's really important if yep. we want kids to be able to trans transfer what we teach them when they're not in our class anymore. Right. We, the, if they can continue to show that they understand it, then we have more evidence that when they leave, they'll, they'll still understand it. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So from time to time, I ask our, our guests about reading recommendations. Um, I was wondering if you can give uh, our listeners a recommendation around UBD? Is there something that they yeah. could read or, yeah? Yeah, I think um, from a technical standpoint, uh, there's a UBD guide to creating quality units that really kind of walks you through module by module doing it and I think is very readable. Um, but if you really are interested in that idea of, of understanding and transfer and meaning making, uh, there's a great book by Jay McTie and Harvey Silver called Teaching for Deeper Learning. Uh, tools to engage students in meaning making and it's a really great look at how we get past that superficial um, you know inch deep mm -hmm. mile wide curriculum uh, it's a great read so that yeah that's that's my UBD my two UBD recommendations okay thank you and uh, any other in general recommendations yeah I think uh, one of the ones that transformed 
me. Um, so I spent most of my teaching career in a district where we didn't really have an achievement culture, um, self, super self-motivated kids. They were motivated just for various different things. Uh, there wasn't a, I have to get into, you know, the college I want kind of approach. So classroom management was a, a much bigger deal. And so I, I meditated quite a bit on why do kids do what they do and how can I get them to care about something? Then as I shifted into administration, it began to be, all right, how do I have these conversations with staff and how do I, what are staff motivated by? Why do they do what they do or not do what they do? Uh, especially when you talk about teacher evaluation and, and whether accountability and getting you know demerits is, is gonna make anyone any better. Um, and I read a book called Drive by Daniel Pink. And it is about, um, he refers to the idea of motivation 1.0 and motivation 2.0. And his argument is motivation 1.0 was what humans have used for most of our history up through industrialization. The idea being carrots and sticks. Um, but the reality is practice doesn't really seem to change inherently with carrots and sticks. Mm -hmm. So how do we find the things that really do motivate people? And it's stuff like ownership and it's stuff like engagement and consistency. And so it is just a great read. It is something that anybody can use, great for classroom management, great for working with your own colleagues. It'll okay. really help with the idea of, you know, how, how, why are my kids motivated? Mm -hmm. Do I punish my kid by grounding them or not? I, great book. All right. Well, thank you for all your insights today. It was, uh, it was a pleasure talking with you. Great conversation. I'm always happy to talk. Thanks for having me. Okay, that wraps up another episode of Thriving Educators. I want to thank Andrew Combe for sharing his expertise of understanding by design. I hope the conversation was meaningful for anyone out there working with the UBD principles. Take care, everyone.